Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. And as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Gita Llewellyn, Swansea City fan and also contributor to the Jackcast, which you can find on Twitter at the Jackcast. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Hi, I'm Sean Wetstone. I'm a happy hammer at West Ham Football on Twitter. I'm also on more than just a podcast, and that's Bobby Moore, M-O-O-R-E. And I also write for a West Ham site called Clarence Hugh. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Ghetto, what a week to have you on. Uh, You go to Liverpool, you pull out a win, which helps everybody else's title chances, and it pulls you out of the relegation zone. How excited were you after that match? It was brilliant. I'm so glad that I could come on and finally talk about something good related to Swansea City <laughs> Football Club. Um, it was brilliant and it was completely unexpected. Um, since our kind of anomaly result on the opening day against Burnley at Turf Moor, uh, the only teams we've beaten are Sunderland and Crystal Palace. So to go to Anfield, where Liverpool um, are, are unbeaten in over a year, um, you know, they're in the top four. Okay, they're not in the greatest run of form. But, you know, we, we, we've we been so poor against the top teams this season. And, we, and we've been poor against everybody, let's face it. Just lost 4-0 to Arsenal. And then to go to Anfield and do what we did, it was, it was incredible. And it was the kind of performance that we haven't actually seen from the Swans in a very, very long time. And the kind of performance I actually didn't think we were capable of anymore in, in the sense that it was very, very disciplined. Uh, we kept our shape fantastically from start to finish um usually you know when we've played like that this season i've said oh, it's just a matter of time until we lose our shape but um no we 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 were very very well organized throughout that and we did frustrate liverpool quite a bit i know they scored two goals but um usually we can see three four or five so even that's a positive um but but it was great we showed the right kind of attitude first half we just frustrated liverpool um, kept things pretty tight and then <clears throat> took our chances in the second half. Uh, I thought Llorente bullied uh, Liverpool's centre-backs and really controlled um, the game pretty well uh, as a striker. Um, scored two very you know, poachers goals. Um, you know, Sorry for using a cliche. Um, and the, well, in fact, the entire team was, was really good. But I want to give special credit to um, the two new players uh, in the team, um, Martin Olsen kind of showed us what we all knew we were lacking with Neil Taylor at left back because 
Um, he had a very good game defensively, but also going forward, it just made such a difference to have a fullback mm. that actually wants to attack and who can actually contribute effectively to attacks. Um, that was a great, great relief. And then Tom Carroll, who, you know, I, I, I don't think many people in Swansea were sort of massively excited about when he came. We didn't, I didn't think he was a player that was going to really change our season much. He, he didn't seem that different to what we had. Um, seemed like a bit of a vanilla signing, if I'm honest. But um, I, th- I thought he had a very good second debut um, against Liverpool. I thought he was um, up for the fight in, in midfield, passed it pretty well, um, and you know played a big hand, had a big hand in uh, in those second and third goals. Um, so, and and it, it was just such a positive result. But the performance too to go with it, it's something which has given us renewed hope that we may actually be able to stay up this season. I mean, we're out of the relegation zone now for, well, only well only the second time since October. And the, the, the last time we were out, of, we were only out of for a matter of days uh, before we dropped back into it. So hopefully now we can build on the positives that we saw against Liverpool and, and actually make a good fight of, of this because until recently it looked like we were going down with a whimper. Yeah, something I wanted to uh, bring up was uh, in the lead-up to this match, Jurgen Klopp said that he was very impressed at uh, how Paul Clement had already been able to make such significant changes to how Swansea were playing. We've already heard Martin Olsen come out and say that he's super exhausted from your training sessions, which was not the case for him at Norwich. Uh, As a Swansea fan, is it really that noticeable already, the change in maybe, maybe mentality at the club? Um, if we're going by just one game against Liverpool, yeah, the change is massive. Um, I mean, I don't know if he had any kind of impact against Crystal Palace when we won 2-1, when he came down from the stands to start to join Alan Curtis in the dugout. But, you know, there was a bit more fight on show that day. But it was against a really poor Crystal Palace side. I mean, a, a team that uh, has has been as bad as us all season, really, almost. Um, but, I, you know, against... Arsenal, you could see what he was trying to do in terms of tactics, uh, in the sense that in that first half we were a lot more uh, compact. We we kept the ball uh, far better without you know just trying to get it forward too quickly and losing it. Um, we were a lot more um, just just careful with possession against Arsenal than than we were under Bob Bradley, uh, and you know that we we just looked. For, for well, for 45 minutes anyway, we did look a little bit more solid against Arsenal. Of course, when Arsenal eventually decided to turn up in the second half, they blew us away. Um, but you could see what Clement was trying to do in that game. And I thought against Liverpool, you saw those same tactics, but executed far better by the players. Um, they, they looked far more comfortable with those tactics than, than they did against um, uh, against Arsenal. And, you know, this, this is a team which has looked defensively inept all season but again I know we conceded two goals against Liverpool but we were far better in that respect we closed Liverpool down in in you know in the danger areas um and me and, and really forced them into some some errors which again we just have not been doing and, and I've complained all season that we've been very very easy to play against um far far too easy to play against um really but that wasn't the case against Liverpool I I I, you know, obviously we gave them a very difficult game to the point where we actually managed to get a shock result. Um, and 
you know, Clements identified problem areas in the, in the team and he's, you know, we, we've said before, he's a coach. His background is really in coaching rather than management, but uh, apart from a very short spell with Derby. And I think these players did need a lot of coaching. Um, and, and yeah, I think it, it is starting to show. I don't know if it was really showing that clearly before uh, we played Liverpool, but um, it, it certainly is now. Awesome. Well, as we mentioned on some of those more depressing podcasts, I think Swansea are a club that a lot of neutrals kind of have a soft spot for. So it's it's nice to see uh, things hopefully turning around for you guys. Uh, Dan, a little less pleased to see things going well uh, for Arsenal. It was a tough match against Burnley, but you did pull out the win. It's kind of been a while since we've had you on. What's been going on over at Arsenal? Um, well, I can't remember if the last time was, I think it was after Everton, but I mean... I don't think we're going to win the league, but I never really did. Chelsea are just insane this season. But um, overall, it's been okay. Like, uh, it's weird because you kind of go from thinking, eh, maybe we're not going to finish top four to, oh, maybe we'll finish second. Like, we can finish anywhere between two and six. And, you know, any result from any team kind of changes the emotions just because it's so tight up the top outside of first this year, just because there's a lot of good teams. But um, for this week against Burnley, it was a pretty routine match for a while, and then it wasn't. Um, well, first half was, um, the entire game was very much a Burnley game where, you know, they'll bunker in, and you ha- if you're the team that's not Burnley, you'll have a lot of shots, just not very good shots. And, and then eventually you hope you can break them down and score a goal on a not great chance. And eventually in the second half we did but from a uh, from Skozran Mustafi's First Arsenal goal, uh, Ozil assist, even though he didn't really do anything other than put in the corner. But um, a very, very, very good header, must be said. I, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but the angle he got, uh, got on that header was stupid. Um, it was very, very good. But um, yeah, it was not the way you expect to score against Burnley, but it happens. That put us 1-0 up. And we were, again, we weren't carving them apart, but we were in control. They barely did anything up until... Uh, Granite Shocker went and got himself sent off uh, after having a very good game up until then. But um, yeah, he got himself sent off for a tackle, which there wasn't a lot of contact, but like it's fair to send him off. He did go in with two feet. I can't begrudge it too much. So yeah, it happened. Um, and then even after we went down 10 men, it wasn't that bad into a we near, I think we had a decent chance right before the penalty to put it up to go up 2-0 and put the game away. But then they went and got a penalty because Francis Coughlin didn't realize Ashley Barnes behind him, kicked up, trip, penalty, clear penalty. Although, earlier in the game, John Moss, right before our goal, he did miss what should have been a penalty on Mustafi. But again, we scored like two minutes after with Mm. that player even. So I'm not sure how much I can complain about that, even if it's a missed call. But um, I would definitely complain about it if we didn't win. But, um, yeah, so Andre Gray goes and scores. Arsene Wenger, I think at this point, had already been sent off to the stands and may or may not have pushed Anthony Taylor. He did. He's been charged he, he today. He came out for, and um, admitted that he did, so. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, what was it? He built the stadium. He can do what he wants. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been charged by the FA today. I don't know what that was going to come of that, but we'll see. Uh, we'll make Jose Mourinho happy. But, um, yeah, Andre Gray converts the penalty. And, I mean, things had already got silly at this point, and then they got even siller, sillier, more silly, in what would have been the 96th minute, I think. Uh, ben Mee 
fouled Laurent Koscielny, but Laurent Koscielny was offside, so it shouldn't have been a penalty, and but it was. And Alexis Sanchez goes in half Panenka's um, the penalty to give us another horribly jammy, cheaty win against Burnley this season. So that was really funny. But yeah, so all's well that ends well, even if it got really crazy in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> or something. Uh, also, or I loved something. how many of the commentators were talking about uh, how uh, ice in the veins Sanchez was with that uh, penalty like right up the middle. Copa America. Exactly. Like, we've seen this already yeah, in like, higher come stakes. On, guys. Yeah. He's a crap penalty taker, too. Like, I was not confident that was going in. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, He's not a good penalty taker. I think he's three for six career now. Oh, that's interesting. Um, he's, not, he's not good at all. I, <laughs> I, I do agree with you. Actually, that's the first penalty he's made. He scored for Arsenal. He's missed the other two. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I uh, do agree with you on some of the referees' uh, decisions. So, um, but like, I think both penalties were penalties. I think all the decisions were pretty clear cut, other yeah. than like you could kind of argue the red card because he didn't make a lot of contact. But even then, what was it, what was that? Uh, sorry, I put my phone on the cupboard on silent. Oh, <laughs> no worries. Um, oh wait, uh, well, I have to come to the thing. Um, all right, uh, you also mentioned that uh, Jaka got this red card, which does mean he'll he'll miss matches. That while it was a little. It could have been conceived as like, there's no way it's going to get rescinded. You've kind of already been rotating your central midfield lots of times. What is your best pairing there? Um, should I count Santi Cazorla or not? Because he may or may not be dead. Uh, when, is there a timetable for him to return? God knows. Um, very, I think. I don't know. He, he was supposed to come back in like February last year and didn't come back till April or, or May. So I'm just kind of so not waiting on him back. Yeah, I'm not going to put any real faith in that. Um, so I'll do it without Kazorla. And then with Kazorla, it's probably Jaka and Kazorla without, I'd say, Jaka and Ramsey. Maybe Elneny and Jaka, but we haven't really seen that a lot. So And Jaka and Ramsey has been pretty decent for the last couple of games. So I'll go with them. Mm. Fair I. Yeah, and then, I mean, you guys, everyone here who's ever listened to this podcast knows how I feel about Coughlin. I don't think he works with anyone outside of Cazorla. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is. Not that he's going to play, so <laughs> we'll get to see it, whether I want to or not. Do you, do you think that, as it is at the moment, that you are pushing for a title, or are you just one of, as you mentioned, the many behind Chelsea just hoping for one of those top four spots? I think no one is pushing for the title outside of Chelsea. Maybe Liverpool, but... I that, mean, they have Liverpool and you the next two weeks. Up. So it could get interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm just, uh, I'm not confident of anyone outside of Chelsea winning the title. I ha- like if I'm putting percentages in my head, I have Chelsea at like 70, 75 percent to win mm-hmm. the title right now. I'm, I'm pretty convinced. Fair enough, Sean. The Pyatt thing was the big news that we didn't address <laughs> yet, but since then, West Ham have actually been playing fairly well. Manuel Lanzini has looked really good. Andy Carroll finally found the scoring boots. What's kind of happened with this little renaissance that's been happening at West Ham? Sorry, who's that? Payet? Who, who's Payet? He's dead to me. Never heard of him. Yeah. Um, look, you know, there's nothing more I can add to Payet. There's no way back for him. We're likely to accept 28 million in the next few days and he'll be off. However, um, you know, this has galvanized the fans. We had our problems at London Stadium. It's galvanized the players and we've won back-to-back games. True against poor opposition, you know, Palace, and Borough not playing their best football. And, of course, we've got City next. But that's not just it's not just about Payet. You know, we're missing Chiarty at the Akon. 
and and uh, our record signing AU as well. Um, so you know, three big players missing. Uh, four, if you include Sacco as well, one of our best strikers. And yet we're, we're still getting the results. We were in the top 10 of the table for the first time since August. We've got 28 points. Three weeks ago, we were in 18th position. It's a crazy, crazy world. Look, are all the problems pirate? You know, people are coming out, you know, calling him a fat frog and saying we should sell him by the kilo and everything. It's funny how you can turn to hero to zero in no time at all. Hmm. Was Pyatt all of our problems? Absolutely not. But you know what? I'm not going to look too deeply behind it. Why weren't other players playing well? Why weren't we getting behind the team? Why weren't we getting the results? Who cares as long as we're winning? So long may it go on. You know, big win against Palace, against our old manager, which was a bit, you know, even sweeter with, with Sam Allardyce. And a 3-1 away win. Um, and, and, and I'm sure, I hope you've mentioned the wonder goal of the millennium uh, by Andy Carroll. Uh, don't you mean Olivier Giroud? Uh, uh, don't you mean uh, Even though, no. he, even no, though no, he got don't. whiplash. I mean, I mean the, the problem is, you know, we have to wrap Andy Carroll up in, in cotton wool. Yeah. You know, he got a whiplash injury from scoring that goal. And he gets a groin injury and goes off um, after scoring two goals on Saturday. So, you know, we just don't want him. Even, you know, his trademark slide along the floor. He's been told by the club not to do that anymore in case he hurts his knees. So um, so as long as he, he's fit, look, two wins, six points, no payette. Uh, Fonte, you know, it comes out that Obona has been playing injured. Uh, all season has been playing on painkillers in his knees and we get Fonte from Southampton for £8 million. Still haven't got a right back. And they're even talking now is, do we need a, do we need a striker? Because, you know, we've got Andy Carroll on form and we've got Sacco about to come back. Mm. So we, do we need this fabled 20-goal striker? You know, I, I, I think, in a, in a weird way, Payet doing what he did has brought the fans and the players together in a way that couldn't be imagined a few weeks ago. And maybe he sacrificed himself. <laughs> but, you know, you could imagine, right? Uh, someone someone worshipped the way he was and then the player he was. Would West Ham fans, if, you, if someone had said to you, West Ham fans are going to hate him, they're going to sing songs about him, they're going to deface... Um, signs of him that they will need guards at the London Stadium, you'd say they're mad. You know, how can you drop from such a high point? But, you know, refusing to play, all right, he's got family issues. The way that um, Slavin Bilic announced it at that press conference, if I was a, you know, if I was a conspiracy theorist, I would say the whole thing was stage managed. But I'm sure it wasn't. And I'm sure Bilic is an honest man. And we are where we are, and um, life goes on without payer. Yeah, it, it certainly was a very strange one uh, from an external perspective, especially the way it was handled. Um, so now you're in tenth after having been relegation candidates not what a month ago. Um, yeah. What? Where do you, do you think the truth is somewhere in the middle, or do you think that you really could be pushing for the top half now? Well, do you know what? I was just doing a financial piece because one of the things I do on my blog is financials. So I don't know if you know this, but um, 
you get £2 million a place. So it's really interesting whether you should invest in players. But every place you get, we're in 10th, right? 10th this year, if you, if you have 15 games on the TV, everybody gets £85 million, right? 15 games, a million pound a game, 15 million, and you'd get another like merit payment of two million per per point. So you'd get another 20 million from doing that. So you get something like 122 million for finishing 10th this year, 128 million for finish seventh, and so on. Whoever wins the champion league, uh, sorry, the champion, whoever champions of the Premier League this year will get 150 million. Whoever comes last this year will get 97 million. So there is massive amount of money to play for this season. And this is why people are saying, do you know what? It might be worth paying extra in this transfer window because if it makes a difference of one or two places, that, that can pay for the transfer in its own right. Mm. And so going back to your question, yeah, we, I think we can push on from there. I, I, I never really thought we were relegation candidates, but I hope we can push on. Uh, look, let's not be kidding ourselves. We're not a top six team this year, but seventh, eighth, or ninth is achievable. And uh, let's push on with a, with a little bit of luck and, and a lack of injuries and Andy Carroll staying fit and Sacco coming back and staying fit. And Lanzini, I mean, Lanzini, I think, has stepped into a role, the jewel, as they call him, mm. coming in um, to, to, to take over from from Payet on his corners, on his free kicks. I'm sure you saw that little chip that was sort of Payet-esque mm. um, against Palace. And of course, Mecca Antonio coming in, not just being the goal king, the top goal scorer, but getting free assists against Palace. So I think other players who were in the shadow of Payet, where everything was written around Payet, the whole team was around Payet, people are now starting to shine. I think there's no reason in the second half of the season... We can we can push on and, and get ninth, tenth, uh, sorry, ninth, eighth, or or, or seventh. Yeah. Uh, for Tottenham, we had an interesting one uh, against Manchester City this week. Uh, the team selection at the start was pretty unsurprising for us. Although a lot of people were trying to convince me that Davis was going to start ahead of Vimmer, and their argument was that Davis plays in a back three for Wales. <clears throat> My argument for Vimmer is, um, you know, he replaced Vertonghen for two months for Tottenham last season. Uh, Vimmer did get the shot, although he was not uh, <laughs> great and uh, ended up being removed at halftime. City, on the other hand, put out a very attacking lineup from the off, uh, and I really thought we were going to be able to kind of batter them because that has not helped them in the past. Uh, I think they did a similar thing against Leicester, uh, and that was that match when Leicester finally showed up for <laughs> what felt like the first time this season. Uh, but uh, it ended up being a really good idea from uh, Pep Guardiola, who has been catching a lot of flack in the media lately. Uh, they came out guns blazing. We we were on back heel for the majority of that match. Um, managed to get into halftime at nil-nil. Like I said, we took off Vimmer, brought on Son, who was an excellent sub again for us. He's like a faster, less Serbian Nico Kranchar uh, from days of old um, for us. Uh, I thought he did very well, but... Uh, Hugo Lloris was, this is his worst match that I can really recall in recent memory. Um, the the two errors that he made were heinous. The one, you can kind of understand, he was trying to clear a ball that was like right on the edge of the box, and he didn't know if it was in or out, so he didn't lead with his hands, he led with his head. 
then basically hit it right into Leroy Sané, who was able to just walk it in. Uh, Pochettino arguing that it was a handball by Sané, but, uh, you know, the whole hand-to-ball or ball-to-hand argument, I think, comes into play there. I mean, there's no way Sané had time to really react. I think it was just the natural swing of his arm while he was running, so I do think it would have been harsh if they had um, taken that away from them. And then he followed it up with another blunder where he tried to smother a ball and just didn't. Uh, and then De Bruyne poked it in. So two errors from, from Lloris is very surprising for us. But fortunately, he's done so much for our club. He's earned so much capital with the fans that, um, you know, nobody came away from this match like, oh, it's Hugo's fault. Because we we know how many points he's saved us uh, in the past. So you just kind of go, wow, that sucked. <laughs> and then just move on. Um, but then we did get back in the match. Della Ali scoring with his head yet again. It, it seems that that is a tool that he has now added to his repertoire, which is must be very terrifying for opponents because he wasn't already good enough with the pass or uh, shooting from the floor. Now he's also got this kind of physical uh, aspect to his game, uh, which you know I don't think defenders really wanted to see. Uh, I will take a quick moment to say that I really hate watching Nicolas Otamendi play ever. I hate that he constantly acts like a tough man, but anytime anybody steps to him, he falls down and rolls on the floor. I just think you have to choose one or the other. Um, I mean, at least Costa is good. Like, I don't I don't understand what's going on with Nicolas Otamendi. I just very much hate his hair and also how he Mostly acts on the pitch. Hair. <laughs> it's a little column A, a lot of column B, uh, for sure. Um, but anyway, uh, do, do I obviously like the way that Delali is improving, and he has seemed to get less petulant the better he's playing. I think he gets really irritated when he's not playing well, and that's when we saw so many of those outbursts at the start of the season, um, which I will not say was okay, ever. Um, but it does seem like he's getting better control of that, and I think a large part of it is once he's really flowing... Uh, he doesn't have as much time to be angry because he's actually being engaged in play. Um, so yeah, Delali did very well. Sun scored the second goal. A lovely back heel from Kane, by the way. But I will say, it's getting very frustrating to me seeing either on Twitter or in forums every team thinking that they're being slighted somehow. Like, I saw a load of Tottenham people saying, oh, if Otso had had that back heel assist, it would have been on Sky Sports for a week. And like, okay, what, what good does that do? I don't understand. It was a very good pass. Um, Sun scored it. Oh, I did just realize that I skipped what everybody's main talking point was, which was Kyle Walker pushing Raheem Sterling in the back. And I don't want to sound like a biased Tottenham fan, so I won't. It was definitely a penalty. Um, and That's why players dive. That is the it, whole it reason is, why players dive. Unfortunately, it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just have to call it. You just do. And then the fact that we turned it around and scored almost immediately after that, uh, I can definitely understand why Manchester City fans were aggrieved. Uh, I am of the belief that these things tend to balance out over a season. Um, but we, we have been getting some favorable stuff. But kind of like my complaint about the whole Kane versus Otzel passing thing, um, I feel like every team, every team's fan base has that group that always feels aggrieved. And then the group that's always like, oh, no, you know, it'll come back to bite us. And so you just kind of have to find a neutral ground there. Uh, although I will say that the refereeing standard has been difficult this season. We try to not bring it up every week because we know listeners don't want to hear that all the time. But it does seem like there's been an increase in poor decisions. And then you add on top of that the amount of visibility of all of these matches. And it just really kind of compounds itself. <laughs> but all in all, 
Um, I will absolutely take this point. Uh, a match in which Hugo Lloris was poor a couple times. Uh, a match where Vimmer was pulled at halftime and was largely awful. Again, sample size of one. I think we do need to stick with him in that spot to see if he gets better. But Kane was largely invisible in this match before that assist. Um, you have Toby being injured. You had Jan that was already out. And then with all of that, we came away with a point away to a top six team. Absolutely, I'll take that every day of the week. And no, I'm not going to feel bad because we got a decision that went our way. Because sometime later this season, I do feel like we're going to lose a match because of a decision like that. And that's just kind of how it uh, ends up in this crazy league. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, while we're talking about the craziness of this league, uh, I was doing some stats work uh, and realized something very interesting, which is that the average points for each team is about eight points higher than it was at this stage last year the entire top four uh this season would have been first at this stage in the premier league last season so my question to you guys is is this evidence of the premier league on the whole continuing to improve and that it's a better season and if it is what do you think has really caused that that uh kind of boon of late I don't think there's any doubt that this is a much better season than, than last year in terms of quality. But then again, I thought last season was the worst actually in my lifetime, um, at least as, as long as I can remember uh, in the Premier League. I mean, the, the quality was dreadful. We kept on saying it. You know, I, I know Leicester fans may not appreciate me saying this, but in a normal Premier League season, Leicester would not have got close to winning the Premier League with that seat with that team it was still an incredible achievement that they did it but it wouldn't have been you know that remote possibility of them winning it wouldn't have been there in previous seasons and the fact that you know this time last season the team top of the table had 44 points the team that this this season that points total this point the season will put you in fifth I think it does tell you a lot about the improvements that have been I think it's largely down to the fact that last season clubs just I don't know. I, I I didn't feel like at the start of last season a lot of clubs really had had strengthened their sides in the right way. That they had the right managers in place. Some of them probably knew they didn't have the right managers in place. I'm thinking specifically Manchester City, um, who wanted knew they wanted Guardiola before even beginning la- the last campaign uh, under Pellegrini. Um, so oh, last summer we saw. Huge spending by a lot of clubs. We saw new managers brought in and given, you know, considerable support by their clubs. Um, and, and I think those managers have brought have upped the game too. I mean, the the arrival of Guardiola has made others um, up their game. Klopp has um, made people up their game. Conte has um, just taken the league by storm. Uh, even a rejuvenated Mourinho, you can see the effect that 
he's had. Um, you know, even though Manchester United are in sixth, I don't think there's any doubt in saying that they're a much better team than they were last season. So I, I just think over the summer, the teams at the top um, strengthened so much that it was bound to improve the league. And I think it's it's somewhere closer now to the to the standard that the Premier League really should be in my eyes. Um, I think, I mean, specifically for the top six, I think everyone's just woke up from the coma that was last year. Um, what was it? City basically didn't try for the second half of the season. Not, It's not that simple, but I'm going to put it simply. Um, uh, United got a much better manager. Chelsea, uh, let, let's just act like Mourinho didn't exist last year because he basically wasn't Mourinho. Mm-hmm. So they got a much better manager. Um, Liverpool, Klopp's had a full season and they got better players. Chelsea also got a better player in Conte. Um, yeah, the top six is just strengthened as a whole. United also got a lot more talented. Um, Arsenal probably haven't got better, but they were good last year. So they're still right there and they got luckier this year. And yeah, I would agree with Gitto that last year on the whole, but Premier League just wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, it was fun and it was competitive, but like quality wise, it wasn't great. So, yeah, I don't know what's caused the rest of the league to fix up, but the top six, I mean, it's just pretty simple adding of managerial and player talent. Mm. And then, like us, we just improved. We didn't really. Oh, you guys just had, you guys had like this. Yeah, it was like we were you so knew young. what you wanted to do, and then everyone gets more time under Pochettino. Yeah. Sean? Works. Well, I, I think we're the exception to the rule where. I think we were doing, but we had more points last season yeah. because. Well, I, I think Leicester would be the exception to the rule. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Leicester as well. <laughs> but you know what? Um, and I keep on going on. We went second uh, before December last year, very briefly for a few yeah, hours. We had you on and talked we, uh, Champions League hopes. Yeah, we were we were third. We were consistently fourth, and we were in the top six for a lot of the first half of the season. And it was only the second half of the season we dropped away and finished seventh. But yeah, people were talking about Champions League. So, um, you know, we've got 28 points from 22 games. I think I, I haven't looked at what we were last year. I think it was 35, think, if memory serves. Yeah, I was going to say we were a lot better. We were almost safe. Uh, what was it? So, Seven. Yeah, it was 35. Mm. So, absolutely. You know, normal services resumed. You know, it was a topsy-turvy um, season last year. And um, people were in positions and they had no right in being. And uh, <laughs> Like how Palace had 31 points at this time last year and now they don't. Uh, <laughs> well, look, 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 at, look at Leicester, right? They were in a relegation. I don't know where they are at the moment. But they were in a relegation. They're, They're still in a relegation dog fight. Yeah. No. Has, has suddenly uh, the Tinker Man become a bad manager? No. It just shows you that the unpredictable nature of it. But at the end of the day, the amount of money you spend on transfers and wages has a direct effect on your on the amount of points you earn and your league position. I'm sorry, but um, that's just the way it is. And, and I think, like uh, like the other guest said, you know, it was um, a topsy turvy season, and um, probably West Ham are, are where they probably should have been last season, which is around about mid table in tenth. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, the top six are very much the top six in spending. Um, 
So it, yeah, we have kind of seen a regression. Yeah, well, to I the think wage there. bill was the hot. I think wage bill is the highest um, way to oh, what's what correlate or correlation mm. there is in soccer in general, at least in the Premier League. It's just yeah. it just is. I wonder if we're actually ahead of Everton with the Schneiderland signing because we have a lot of guys on low contract. But uh, nonetheless, it does that, definitely that feel that about that number should come out around like March or something. Don't they release it? <laughs> yeah, like a little bit. Be really the year, the year. Also, we'll probably have signed like 19 more player contracts by then. So maybe, that is true. <laughs> maybe we'll be above that by that point. Uh, well, I somehow, learned, you guys are still getting everyone on low wages. I know it's like amazing. Huge. We, we still haven't uh, fully broken our wage structure because Kane's. Uh, contract was heavily incentivized, so we still haven't technically broken 100k, which is just absolutely well, bonkers. Are are just are football agents just bad? Like, are just, <laughs> uh, just you know agents? what? You know what the problem is for those football agents? It's that their players want to be at Tottenham right now. One day that may change for some of them, but that being as public knowledge as it currently is has to really hurt your negotiating position. I mean, I mean that's yeah. the only way that this keeps happening. Because I agree with you, it is nuts. The amount yeah, of players I, we I think have it's on low more wages. of a general problem, not even just Tottenham. Like, mm. there are some stuff that's like that is, you know, players are on just significantly lower wages than they should be, and people think it's too high. Just, it's just weird. It's, right, right. Football wages should be higher, and they're not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, I. But largely, I, I agree with all of you guys. Um, and kind of on the point of teams being where they were and where they <laughs> should be. Uh, like I mentioned last season, all the time is that was not the best this Tottenham team was going to be, but that was our best chance at the title. I, I think the resurgences of Chelsea and Liverpool, both without European football, again, by the way, um, is really what has dragged this so far up. I mean, we were talking about the huge drops of Leicester uh, and West Ham and Palace to an extent, but I mean, you want to look at the other way. Chelsea, who were dreadful last oh, year. Chelsea being- are... 30 points better than they were at this yeah. point last year. I mean, that's going to drag up that average. <laughs> quite Liverpool are 14. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing. Like Every average is just ruined by Chelsea and Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I guess to be fair, Leicester and Palace average it out, but uh, right, right. balance it out. But it is pretty crazy. All right, that'll do us for the topic. Now we are going to head into Player Watch. We're going to quickly discuss players that impressed and disappointed in our club's most recent fixture. Uh, Gitto. Seems harsh to ask you for a player that disappointed, so if you don't seem intent on saying anybody was awful, maybe two people that impressed, and it's possible they were both new signings. Oof, that's a, that's a kind one. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be harsh to pick on anybody and say that they, um, that they were in any way poor, because it was by far and away our best performance of the season, and I, and I thought every single player turned up for the uh, entire 90 minutes. Um, I think Fernando Llorente is a good candidate for... The uh, play for 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 the game player who had a really positive game because he bullied Liverpool's defense, especially in the second half. Um, but yeah, you're right. I'm going to go for the new players. Um, I thought they just made such a big difference uh, in in positions where we've been really weak. Martin Olsen um, just slipped into that position as if he'd been playing for us for years, looked very, very comfortable, very, very confident, both both in defence and in attack. And Tom Carroll, uh, a player who didn't really get much fanfare when he arrived here this week, um, just excelled, really, really did. He, t- he just took his opportunity. 
And, um, you know, it, it was quite incredible, really. They played like that, having played so little football for Spurs this season. Um, but, but he looked very, very comfortable, very, very confident, uh, both with the ball at his feet and um, when Liverpool had possession. And his cross for Juventus second uh, is absolutely stunning. I, I really didn't know he oh, had that on so his locker. He, he basically was... crafted that entire move, too, because didn't he start it? it Yep, he's, he played a really nicely weighted ball down the line for uh, Olsen uh, and then just kept on going, joined, made the overlap and um, uh, and then put in that stunning cross, which is the kind of thing that Llorente has been begging for all season but just has not been getting. Uh, and he showed what he can do when you do put a really nice cross in towards the edge of the six-yard area. He will attack and he will score. Um, I mean, I, I'd like to point out to you as well that the Liverpool were, were poor. Uh, they had quite a few players who were very poor. Um, I mean, a lot of Liverpool fans were having a real go at Emery Chan and Dejan Lovren um, in that match. But I get the feeling that they're just scapegoats anyway. And that no matter how they play, they'll get stick. The one that I, I that really stood out for me was Jordan Henderson, um, a player who has a lot of responsibility in midfield for keeping the ball. He gave it away far too easily. And not even with like testing passes. He just, for some reason, just spent the entire game pinging balls sideways about 30 yards without really doing much. I get the feeling when I watch Henderson sometimes when he's at his worst, he just tries spreading these passes when actually a little bit more intelligence on the ball would see him do shorter passes, maybe not spectacular, but, you know, they'd get the team somewhere far quicker. He was really careless and looked very tired against against Swansea. And John Henderson's a player who actually, as a person, I quite like. Um, I really dislike his style of captaincy, but I do like him as a person. Um, but but on, on Saturday, I thought he was really poor. All right, thanks. And Dan, for Arsenal, obviously it was a very strange match, but who stuck out in this one? Uh, well, if the match only lasted 64 minutes, I'd have said Granite Xhaka. But, but, but it, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't, right. doesn't. It, it's, just, it's so weird, 90 minutes. Who came <laughs> up with that? 64, it's obviously how it should be. Um, like Nintendo 64, it's where it got its name. Yeah, I right. mean, obviously. Uh, obviously. Um, so with the match being 90 minutes, it actually becomes a lot harder. I'm going to say... Aaron Ramsey, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with Ramsey. He was pretty good. He did his job in midfield. Obviously, it was easier when we had 11 men and had, and weren't defending. But no, he did well getting forward. He's done well his last couple games next to Xhaka. It'll be interesting how he does next to Coughlin because it's a total, totally different kettle of fish with him. But he was good. And, I need to, and he needs to get credit when he's good because he really doesn't. <laughs> Fans are very harsh on him. <laughs> Love you, Aaron. Uh, but um, for players that was bad, I'll go with uh, Olivier Giroud. He's been good. He had a very off game. Burnley just bottled him up completely. I think he only had two shots. Neither were on target. Uh, I think one was from outside the box and off target. The other was blocked. He didn't have a good game. It happens. He, he probably should have been taken off earlier than he was. But again, bad game. It happens. He's been good. It's fine. Also, you know who's really good? Michael Keane. Ooh. Yeah, he's pretty he's, good. He's going to go for big money soon. Yeah. <laughs> he's better for all his feet than, like, you know, you'd expect a Burnley center back to be. Yeah. <laughs> Shots. Yeah, so on um, Player Watch, well, it's a difficult one because so many players 
uh, are shining at the moment. Um, I mean, Andy Carroll scoring two goals and uh, Tara defence is, is worth a mention. I've already mentioned um, Mikel Antonio, three assists, a hat-trick of assists at the Palace game. Um, but, I mean, Lanzini as well, you know, coming in. It's difficult to choose between those three, but I, I, I think everybody's really stepping. I'm going to go for Andy Carroll. Look, he doesn't get enough credit. He gets a lot of grief. Uh, he's had a lot of troubles. Andy Carroll is 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 my hero um, in the recent games and and um, the one that I I think that um, is, is a player. Um, if I remember the format, I've got to I've got to also say um, a, a player that hasn't impressed. Yeah. Do you know what? It, it's very simple for me this this week, and it is Aaron Criswell. Yeah. Um, he he is an amazing left back, and you know he's one of the success stories like Mikel Antonio and like Vardy who's come from the Championship and made good, and he he's done so great for this this club, but he had an awful game against Barra, you know. Not only did he nearly score an own goal where he hit the crossbar, where he didn't see a man behind him. Everybody, you know, thousands of people saying, man on, man on. But uh, he, he just, he just, poor defending. He didn't track back. He just seemed off the pace. I'm hoping it, he just puts it down as an off game, as any player can have. Um, and maybe we've got too high expectations of him. But I'm afraid I'm going to put uh, Aaron Questwell in in the, in the naughty bin uh, for West Ham at the moment. And, and hopefully he listen to this and, and, and pick up his game for, for Man City. Yeah, uh, for Tottenham, Victor Wanyama has to be uh, the player that impressed. I mean, he not only was he imperious in midfield, and he really has been ever since we changed to this back three. Um, those that listen to the show often will know that there was a period where I was saying I thought Eric Dyer should replace him. That was when we were in the 4-2-3-1. And it was just because Wanyama has a very limited game. Now, what he does well, he's arguably the best player in the league at, which is, you know, strength on the ball, muscling people out, getting tackles. Um, but I was worried about his passing, because in a 4-2-3-1, that position needs to at least be able to contribute somewhat. Um, but this switch to the back three has allowed him to constantly drop into the back line and just kind of break up play in midfield wherever he needs to. And it's we're really seeing the best out of him. And all of a sudden, <laughs> that $11 million for him looks like one of the best deals of the offseason. Um, he has been so great for us. Um, and then, <laughs> midway through the match, well, really around the hour mark, Toby Alderweireld got hurt. Uh, he wasn't quote-unquote hurt, but he said he felt his hamstring and that if he played any longer, he felt like it could snap which is not <laughs> something you want to hear. Um, so hopefully he, he does get well. But we had to slide Wanyama back into the back line um, with Eric Dyer. So we had our two best defensive midfielders partnered as our center backs. And they both did very well. But Wanyama was just a natural. He was getting headed clearances, normal clearances. Um, his shading of the ball, trying to force it um, back, into the middle of the, uh, back into the middle of play, I thought was terrific. Uh, and <laughs> it, it really... His versatility is amazing. Um, and as I said, when we play this back three, a lot of times when we attack, you'll actually see one of our three center backs getting forward a little bit. Wanyama then drops back into that line uh, just to make sure everything is all neat and tidy. Uh, so we have quote-unquote seen him in the back line before, but to see him given that designated role and do so well 
was a very positive thing to see um, because it means we have another option back there, worst case. I mean, the possible negative is that while we do have a lot of cover, we have a lot of players that are also needed other places. So, like, if we did need to use Wanyama as a center back going forward, that means that we'd have to do Winks and Dembele. And while Winks did turn the game on its head a little bit because of his passing, funnily enough, uh, when he came on, I'm not super confident with Winks and Dembele as a partnership um, long term. It worked for 30 minutes. Um, but that would be the the problem with being like, oh, well, Wanyama can just fill in that back line for a while. Is that uh, not so much? We, we need him much more in midfield, I think. Uh, but the fact he was able to deputize there so well was very, very impressive. Uh, as for somebody that disappointed, I kind of mentioned in my open, um, there were several. Uh, Vimmer was very, very disappointing, but as I mentioned, only got 45 minutes, and I think a lot of that's that he hasn't really played in the three with us yet. Uh, but he's very mobile. He's played left back before, so I don't think he's going to have any issues stylistically. I just think he has to get used to it. Um, I think the big one is obviously Hugo Lloris, who uh, usually is a phenomenal keeper for us. Uh, definitely one of the three best keepers in the Premier League. Um, I don't think anybody would argue that. It's just what order you put them in. Uh, but the, he, he obviously had a bit of a nightmare. Although he did make some crucial saves. I mean, they got a lot of shots on us uh, in this match, and he did save plenty of them. But those those two errors are just uh, so out of character for him that, it, unfortunately, yeah, kind of have to give him that label. And kind of like Christian Eriksen, I'm not, you know, <laughs> condemning Hugo forever. This was just obviously not a dream performance for him. All right, and that'll do it for us today. So if you'd like to tell folks where they can find you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Thanks for having me. If you want to hear more Swansea City positivity, you can find it at the Jackcast. We will be recording on Tuesday night, and you should be able to find that at the Jackcast. All right, thanks for having me on. I'm still Dan, and you can still catch me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. So thanks for listening. I'm Sean Whetstone, uh, a West Ham fan. You can find me on Twitter at West Ham Football. I've also write for two blogs. One of them's called westhamtillidie.com. The other one's called clarenthugh.info that brings all the latest West Ham news. And of course, we run our own West Ham podcast called More Than Just a Podcast.co.uk. And more is in Bobby Moore, which is M-O-O-R-E. Thanks a lot. Bye. Yeah, and I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at KevRuff on Twitter. Uh, you can also see some of our writings over at TheEaglesBeat.com. I also host the FPL Roundtable, uh, which you can find on the same Twitter feed uh, or the same podcast feed, uh, which you're already listening to. So way to go, you. Um, those will be at odd times this week because we don't have Premier League matches at the weekend. They're a little bit shifted uh, to the Tuesday, Wednesday following. Uh, so just kind of keep an eye on on both the EPL Roundtable Twitter and my personal one, and we'll kind of let you guys know as soon as we know what that schedule is going to look like. I also have something really exciting in the pipeline uh, that I don't think I can announce yet, but when I can, uh, I'll plug that a whole lot more. So until then, you're stuck with the suspense. Uh, But thank you guys so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.